J.J. Watt, no longer a free agent. Of course, he announced it via social media in sort of a corny way in true J.J. Watt style. I'm not hating. I'm just saying. <laughs> you uh, hate him so to... much. Let's just stop right, all right there. All right. <laughs> I am hating a little bit. I didn't want to start off the pod with animosity, but come on. Uh, 3 a.m. Okay. gym picks. It's like me parenting is what it feels like his content is on. But the corny man is going to the Cardinals. We'll talk about that. Welcome into the Game Day Podcast. Adam Kramer, Marcus Mosier. Uh, reminder, check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to thegameday.com, uh, shop your prices, and see what our affiliates have to offer. Marcus, before I continue to hate on J.J. Watt, at least slightly mild, mild takes, how are you? And what were your initial thoughts when you saw that news? I was shocked, Adam. I, I really was. I thought for sure he was going to end up in Green Bay or Cleveland or Buffalo, but Arizona. Like I thought, I thought he was going to end up on a team that like legitimately had a chance to win a Super Bowl. And maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe Arizona is that team, but it, it, it was shocking to me to say the least. Okay, I will give him some love. We were about to shoot an odds video. I was like 10 minutes away from shooting where will J.J. Watt go. It was not Arizona, to be clear. That's not what I was going to make. Uh, I was going to have him going to Green Bay, like the storybook ending. This is kind of a weird, weird um, – it's a money. Isn't this a money play, Marcus, yeah. I guess? I mean, this that's what it comes to mind immediately beyond anything. It also feels right because Arizona is where one of my favorite players basically finished his career, Emmett Smith, right? It never really felt the same, and maybe it'll be the same for J.J. Watt. I'm not hoping that happens. I'm just saying maybe – Maybe this is maybe he's at the end of the rope here, and um, he's not quite as good as we remember. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll hit on that in uh, shortly here as we fill in the blanks. One of my favorite segments, and then it is AFC North mm. week in terms of breakdown, which is fascinating. And Marcus, you've already told me that the takes will be hot. You've got the the, the background. You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready yeah. for a, Fired a, up. a battle if necessary. And then we'll be joined by Jake Trotter of ESPN. Uh, guy covered uh, the Big 12 for a while in college, now focusing in on the Browns, which will be a really interesting team. And I'm really interested to get your thoughts on it, Marcus. But let's start with the current events and fill in the blanks. And we start, of course, with J.J. Watt. So, Marcus, the Arizona Cardinals are blank percent better with Watt on the roster. Like 5% better? I mean, they're certainly better. There's absolutely no doubt about that. When you put Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, you're going to be – a better team but Adam I still think going into the year they're the fourth best team in the NFC West just because I trust the other three coaches more Pete Carroll Kyle Shanahan Sean McVay I think they're all better they're more experienced than what Cliff Kingsbury is I love Kyler Murray it's just a, a team that's good but I don't feel like they're ready to take the next step so even despite the the J.J. Watt addition it's not enough for me to think that they're a playoff team yet I was going to say 5% too, but I'll, uh, that's kind of boring. I'll say three, 4%, sure. uh, which is also still, still relatively boring. Um, you know, he's not the same difference making player that he was, but he could still be really good. Mm. And if he is healthy, it's a really nice, it's a nice pickup. And it's a, it's, I think for a fit there, it makes sense for them to give this a try, but I'm just curious the kind of player that we're going to get. If he stays upright, look, if he, if this works the way it should and he's healthy and, and still has it, it's a, it changes things for them he, he's at not, least slightly. He's not an all pro player anymore, but can no. he be a borderline pro bowl player? Sure. I think that's possible. And on that defense uh, they desperately need a, another playmaker. So if he can be anything close to a pro bowler, uh, the Cardinals will be very happy. 
In terms of content, he's a pro bowler, Marcus, because he'll continue to show gyms, empty gyms at three in the morning about how hard he's working. <laughs> Buddy, try sleeping in your son's mm. tiny, you know, Mario bed, okay, when he can't sleep and then waking up with a sore neck. I don't take pictures of that, JJ Watt. Content machine, <laughs> not bitter at all. That's a real grind right there. Yeah. I'm exhausted. He's going to Arizona. We will probably rarely hear about him anymore. I'm just tired. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's talk about a team. Speaking of tired, the Washington football team, mm. although I'm not tired of this topic. Um, blank will start for WFT in 2021. I'm very interested to get your answer. Uh, I think a, a week or two weeks ago, I would have said Marcus Mariota. Now I'm saying Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton, who has a great relationship with Ron Rivera, is ultimately going to be a bridge quarterback there in Washington for whoever they draft this year. I, I think Washington is going to be a, aggressive in the draft this year, trying to get up one, to get one of those top four or five quarterbacks. Cam will be the week one starter, and I think he'll be good enough to, to keep this Washington team in the playoff hunt. All right. I listened to Joe Douglas today talk about the Jets and I, I had some takeaways. I don't know if you heard this, Mark. I like, did. I did. Sam Darnold's getting traded. Without I mean, a doubt. I, like he didn't say as such, but I think it's pretty clear that Sam Darnold's getting traded. I think Sam Darnold's going to be a, I think he'd be a great fit there. I'd actually think it'd be an awesome fit. I could see that working for whatever it is, a second round pick. Most likely if I'm Washington, I give that thing a go. And maybe Heineke's a guy too, by the way, because I, you know, he he played well. You know maybe. how I feel about him yeah. in the one game sample size. But for me, I'll say Sam Darnold uh, only because he has to go somewhere. And I think the list of teams has shrunk a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I'll be honest, that's not my favorite fit for Sam Darnold. I'd like to see him in a more play action zone read offense. Yeah, listen to me, the perfect fit will always be Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. You put him in that oh, offense, God, I think he could be then. a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. I think he'd be fine with Washington, but I don't think we're going to see him reach the, his highest potential. So that makes sense. And I could see why Washington would be open to doing that, but it's just, it's not my favorite destination for Sam. I don't want him to go to San Fran. He'll be awesome. I know. He'll be I depressing. Know. I know. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move past it. Chris Sims rank, uh, Zach Wilson, best quarterback in the class. I've already moved on mentally. All right. Drew Brees workout, by the way, real quick, Drew Brees hair, Best comeback of the offseason, Marcus. You see that thing? That dude's got like, uh, I mean, outstanding looking hairline, if I may say so. Uh, so that alone is a big win. But what do you make of the Drew Brees workout? The Drew, Drew Brees workout is blank. Getting him ready for TV. You don't get that hair done if you're going to play one more year in the <laughs> NFL, right? You get it done because you're going into the booth. We saw this with Jason Witten. I believe it was in the 2018 season. Oh, it was so bad. Got it, got it all redone. We saw it with Brian Erlacher. He got reseated at the top. Uh, it's go, that's what's going on for Drew Brees. We're going to see him in the Fox booth uh, very shortly, and it should be fun. Okay, so the workout to you is um, is nothing. It's just a no, dude trying to stay in shape, right? Staying fit for TV, yep. I, I'm with you. The workout is um, – Good content, right? This is the the theme is content, of course, in this first section. I still will believe it when I see it. That's a dude that went through it last year. It's a guy that can make a ton of money talking about football. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think either of those two, the team or Breeze, wants to go down that route again do you, and just. Do you think this. he's going to be good on TV? I think he'll be good. Okay. I mean, he had his little uh, in PR nightmare right mm -hmm. if you think about it that he navigated okay uh he seems like a pretty personable guy uh, of course tony romo now is probably the standard whether you agree with it or not is he going to be that no but i i think he'll be fine what do you think 
I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to take his lumps the first couple of years doing it. He's going to have to kind of develop his own voice, but I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a nice guy to have on the second Fox game uh, on a Sunday afternoon slate. Perfectly said. Uh, you say the Monday night guy, but he's going to fit in just fine. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be a little rough, not Jason Witten rough, by the way, but, but rough and then get better over time as is, as is expected. Um, Okay, this is a I love this departure because we're going to start to get down the draft rabbit hole shortly when it comes to this stuff. But blank will be the biggest draft steal in your eyes. Elijah Moore from Old Miss. Oh, man, I almost picked him. He's so good. So in case you aren't familiar with him, this is a smaller receiver, 5'9", 180 pounds. Not the fastest receiver in the world, but he just finds a way to win. So Adam, I went back and looked at some of his stats when he was playing with DK Metcalf, uh, when A.J. Brown was there, Dawson Knox, Demarcus Lodge, another receiver that got drafted late. He posted 600 yards as a freshman, which is utterly insane. I think he is going to be like a Randall Cobb type of receiver in the NFL. Maybe goes second round of the draft. Uh, I think he's got superstar potential, and I cannot wait to see him in the NFL. I actually, I, Marcus, I almost picked him. It's a crowded wide receiver mm-hmm. class. Obviously, you and I have invested a lot of time in the whole Jamar Chase, Waddle, Smith conversation. Mm-hmm. There's a really good group, the Rondell Moore-ish type guys that I think workouts will dictate where they go. I'm with you, man. I think somebody is going to get an absolute gem. I don't know, maybe, like you said, late first, early second, somewhere in there, but some, one of those guys is going to fall. Like- I'm going to go Trey Sermon, by the way. And, and um Again, I shot a video early today, uh, Marcus talking about kind of who's going to be the, who's going to be the first running back draft. And you look at them, there's some heat at the top with ETN and Harris. And then I just, you know, the statistics were gaudy when you look at Sermon down the stretch mm-hmm. against Northwestern. Obviously, the numbers were cartoonish, was great against Clemson. But more than that, I, I just love him physically. It's a real shame we didn't get to see him crack up against that Alabama front. I would have loved to have seen what he'd done. Obviously got hurt basically in the first play. Um, And that's a shame, but physically you look at his path, you know, from Oklahoma to Ohio state can catch the ball. Like, I I just think that guy, if he ends up in the right system, he's probably going to slip a bit. I think he could be awesome. Uh, It's really funny. You say that because that was the second guy I had on my list because I think when I watch him, Adam, I've got some flashbacks of like Arian Foster running style. Yeah. It's one foot and then downhill runner, very violent, uh, but also has speed in the open field. Uh, you mentioned the Northwestern game. That was the most rushing yards that an Ohio State running back has ever had in a single game. And they've had some pretty decent ones there at Ohio State before. So uh, I think this is somebody that probably goes, what, third, fourth round seems about right. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he turns out to be better than Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. He's good. If he ends up in a really good spot, um, it could be, it could be fabulous. He's going to end up in a really great situation. Again, workouts and everything mm-hmm. else, uh, assuming he's healthy, should be really interesting. Uh, okay. Last one. Go to my Cowboys source for this. Jerry Jones should pay Dak Prescott blank. Like the number one quarterback in the NFL. I mean, oh, I know boy. he's not Patrick. I know he's not Patrick Mahomes and he might not even be Deshaun Watson and he's not Aaron Rodgers, but we've let this get go too far. And that's what the market dictates because if he becomes a free agent next year, Adam, I can guarantee you he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. So just make him the quarterback highest paid quarterback. Now get a long-term deal done. And in the long run, you'll save money because the way that these contracts always work is they keep getting one up every single year. 
with the new TV money coming in in 2022, you're going to see these contracts just go through the roof. Pay him now, and then two, three years from now, that deal will look like a steal. So give him what he wants, and it'll be all okay for the Cowboys. That was exactly what I wrote down, what he wants. Pay him what he wants. And I know that's within reason, right? If you, if you, you know, you, this is not a blank check situation. But, and I don't think Jerry obviously likes being in this really uncomfortable, he's got no leverage, Mark. None. Like, he's already he's admitted in, it. A, he, they have none. They have none. And we saw last year that truly his absence probably elevated his value and mm-hmm. did elevate his value. And so you, you've got to pay him. You've got no choice. Um, the alternative is being in QB hell, which is something I know all too well. <laughs> and, and frankly, that's what you're, that's what's at stake is playoff viability for like the next decade. And do you want that or not? And how much is that worth to you? It's worth quite a bit. And I know a lot of people are saying there's a lot of risk for Prescott here playing on the franchise tag, but buddy, listen, he just broke his ankle. The bone literally came out of his leg, right? And his value still went up 7 million and he missed 11 (laughs) games last year. If he plays 16 games, he's going to be the highest quarterback paid in the NFL. Just get it done and be over with it. Yeah. He's gotten like 75 million in risk guaranteed, by the way, it's okay. Like, I mean, that's, there's, there's worse risk situations to be in. And you hit it on the head. Like, we just did that yeah. and nothing happened. So, of course, there's risk. This sport is crazy. It's, it's, it's you know, it's madness. But in some, in, in some sense, like, if he gets hurt, someone will still pay him right. hundreds of millions of dollars to play quarterback mm-hmm. uh, regardless. So, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, okay. So, from Dak to the AFC North, Marcus, and I guess just let's do a quick overview before we go team by team. To me, the theme of this, the theme of the league right now, of course, is quarterback, mm-hmm. right? It, it's you either have one or you don't. But I think this specific division is really centered. I think it's fascinating when you look at the quarterbacks because each situation is vastly different in who they have, skill sets, um, uh, overall age, right? Uh, playing style. Like, so when you look at the AFC North, you know, what overall themes come to mind as you try to handicap this division for 2021? It reminds me of like you go down to the, the local YMCA and you're playing pickup basketball and there's a bunch of young kids down there and there's one, always there's one middle-aged guy that still thinks he has it and trying to compete with the young kids. Uh, that's, the, that's the AFC. Yeah, it's going to be me here pretty soon as well. That's the AFC North, yeah. right? You've got Baker, you've got Lamar, you've got Burrow, all these you know really highly thought of quarterback prospects coming out of college, all have had some success in the NFL. And then there's Ben Roethlisberger, who's like 15 years older than the youngest uh, quarterback in this uh, this division. So it's a lot of fun. It might be my most uh, fun division in the NFL to watch in 2021. Uh, but I think there's legitimately three teams that could win this, you know, the AFC North crown. Uh, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. All right, let's start with the Steelers and let's do biggest need. And I'll, I'll throw a curveball at you. Uh, I, we've, we've made our opinions about this. I'll say the biggest need is the quarterback, but I'm going to, let's assume that Ben is there. And for the time being that you've got to build something around Ben. Um, and I guess I'll ask, you know, eventually if the biggest need is the quarterback or do you do something else to me, it's probably offensive line because they Mm -hmm. seem like they're committed to Ben. Like, that's just the vibe I get. Maybe you're getting a different vibe. So like, how do you view this? Because if Ben is the guy, and regardless, I guess, if he's not, they've got free agency at, uh, along the offensive line. They've got age. They've got 
they've got concerns. So that seems like something you have to address. Yeah. So if Ben is coming back, Pittsburgh needs to dramatically change how they want to play football because Roethlisberger wants to play in shotgun. He wants to throw the ball 50, 60 times a game. You're just not going to win with this version of Roethlisberger like that. What he needs to do is turn into like the 2015 version of Peyton Manning, where he's only throwing on third and short and he's just directing the offense. And this becomes a ball control defense heavy, you know, uh, led team. Can they do that? Potentially they've got to fix their offensive line. It got really old really quickly. Uh, they need a tackle. Marquise Pouncey retired. So they need a center. They could use a left tackle of Alejandro yep. Villanueva doesn't come back. They're, they're just a mess up front. Okay. So this is a natural transition then into big Ben. Is he, is he helping or hurting them? by staying here. And I, I think I know my answer. I think, I think truly Marcus, regardless of court, uh, offensive line, which is like the biggest roster need direction at quarterback to me is the, is the, the primary need because mm-hmm. that you need that before you have anything else. And we think we know exactly what big Ben is. So in the long run, is he hurting or helping by prolonging his career? Here? I think he's hurting them because he's keeping them in limbo. They have a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada, who is really innovative and really creative. And I really yep. like, Uh, But a lot of his schemes and style and the way that he wants to coach does not fit in with Ben Roethlisberger at all. So Roethlisberger returning is going to make that a clunky transition. And then on top of that, Pittsburgh's having to restructure and cut a bunch of guys just to get underneath the cap. So I feel like he's keeping them around a eight and eight, nine and seven type of team and ultimately hurting them from rebuilding and retooling and getting ready to compete in the AFC. Another fit for Sam Darnold, by the way, mm-hmm. if they were to go that route. I don't know if they would, but that would be, I think this would be an interesting spot for him too with Canada, like you mentioned, if they were to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they will. I think still Ben is, is going to be the guy. So I think part of the difficulty in trying to evaluate him is the next question I'll ask you, which is, you know, over under 12 wins, which look, man, for two and a half months, this team, uh, whether some of it was smoke and mirrors, but at times really looked the part. So heading into next year, uh, are you going over under 12 wins? I'm going under. So Pittsburgh is going to play a first place schedule this year, which means it's, oh, it's, it's going to be way tougher. They also had a lot of luck last year. Um, Adam, I'm going to read you the, the some of the backup quarterbacks that they played in 2020. Garrett, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett Gilbert, Jeff Driscoll, Jake Lutton, RG3, Trace McSorley, Ryan Finley, Alex Smith. Oh. I mean, they had just some incredible oh. luck in playing bad quarterbacks. And yet they actually lost to Ryan Finley and they almost lost to Jake Lutton. I mean, there, there was a lot of these games. They almost lost to Garrett Gilbert. They were, they were maybe the worst 10-0 team that I've ever seen. And now that they're playing a tougher schedule, it just doesn't feel like 12 wins is likely. I think 9-10 might be their ceiling next year. The road games are brutal. Yes. I mean, just, I mean, you, you're, you're playing the best of the best. Uh, I'm going under as well. Uh, that quarterback stat is a solid, very disgusting. Oh my goodness moment. Um, this feels like a team that somehow needs to find itself. That's in a difficult cap spot with an aging quarterback that still has some incredible talent. It, but it feels like football purgatory is coming. Mm-hmm. If I'm being completely honest with this team, they've got some young superstars, which of course keeps you in a position, but you know, Juju Smith Schuster, like it's a, they're in a weird spot, Marcus. So I look, it's an organization that's won a lot and won pretty consistently and still has the pieces there to win quite a bit. And yet 
I think what's coming for them, like I think the the the, the debt is due, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be due pretty soon. And for me, I'm selling as a, a playoff team. I, I, it's very possible they'll make the playoffs for sure. They've got the talent to be there, but as it stands now, when I look at the rest of this division, I'm selling. What about you? I do think the defense is good enough to potentially get them, uh, you know, one of the wild card spots. Totally. You know, again, there's three wild card spots this year, so. I could see it just because the depth of the AFC as a whole isn't very good. So I'm still buying them as a playoff team, but I'm selling them as an actual contender in the AFC. All right, let's move to the Browns, the team that couldn't win that now again, transformed what our expectations uh, should be of this team. And Marcus, the, when I look at this roster, when I look at the pieces, I know what you think of, of Nick Chubb and watching mm-hmm. the, you know, talking your assessment of running backs around the league I know what you think of Baker, uh, and and obviously we're both fans. They've got good weapons. They've got young weapons. Um, I guess the defense is sort of a mess. So as you look at the team need, you have to start, I guess, on defense. And where do you start? Is there a specific sector of the defense that you'd like to redo first? Yeah, I just think they need to find a number two pass rusher opposite of Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon was very good in that role last year, uh, but he tore his Achilles late in the season, didn't play in the playoffs. I don't know how likely it is that he's going to be ready at all this season, considering his age. So they need to find a somebody to pair with Garrett, whether that's an interior rusher. We saw them in the, you know, the JJ watch uh, sweet space, sweet stakes, uh, whether that's somebody they draft, they just got to find somebody that could take some of that pressure off of miles Garrett. And I do think they have the cap space and there's enough talent out there to do it. Uh, I'm just waiting to see who it is and how it fits into this defense. Yeah, Delpit was an interesting pick, and obviously the injury there stunk. I think the back end needs to get right. I honestly, this is one of those situations where you probably need a a playmaker at pretty much every level. I mean, it's a unique spot. Uh, we saw that defense get torched a couple of times, and it, it they have like a college team makeup where they can outscore you in a lot of instances. And look, they they played great down the stretch. They did. They had some pretty brilliant moments. Uh, and I guess I'll ask you, like our takeaways for a season that was so up and down, but, but ended on a high note, despite the fact that it didn't end in a Super Bowl trip. Is that repeatable in your eyes? Or was this a blip? Like, how do you forecast the future of this team? I think it is repeatable. And the the biggest reason is actually their offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, I think is the best offensive line coach we maybe have ever had in the NFL. What he's able to do across, you know, several different teams getting these guys to play at an elite level. You know, they had a guy in the playoff game who never even took a snap. Baker Mayfield introduced him, <laughs> you know, himself to him the Friday before the playoff game, and he came in there and had to block Cam Hayward and Stephon it. Bill Callahan's incredible. That offensive line is going to dominate everybody in front of them. They're going to be able to run the ball. Uh, Baker's going to be able to use a ton of play action. I expect the offense to be really good. If that defense can get just back to an average level – I do think they are a legit contender in the AFC. So yes, I do think it's repeatable. Chubb is, is so good. So good. I mean, I, I really love watching him run. I'm, I'm not sure I get more enjoyment out of a running back. Just the, the way he can do it is just absolutely incredible. Um, over under 11 wins. This was tough for me, Marcus. I'm going to go over. Uh, it's slight lean over. It's a slight one. Um, again, part of this is because I think they'll – beat up a big portion of their division I I think my Pittsburgh take sort of goes into this one I think they're going to have success um you know we'll get to the Ravens which is a bit of a different piece I think I think push feels likely I'm going to do a reluctant over here 
Yeah, that one's tough. I'm going to go under because I believe this is a team that still had a negative point differential due the, during the 2020 season. So they still have some growing to do. I still think 10 wins is probably the right number for them. Uh, the divisional games are going to be a fist fight. They're going to be rock fights. Yeah. They're going to be so much fun. Wouldn't be surprised if they split with Pittsburgh, split with Baltimore. Um, I think 10 and six feels about right. All right. So a team now that I think I, I feel comfortable in saying we're not going to pick to win the division, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and biggest team need Marcus. It, it has to be offensive line. There is no, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll look, you, you agree. Yes. Because yes, I want to yes, ask yes. you, where, where do you go? This is the fun part. You're our draft guy. So not only does it have to be offensive line, but is this a, is this the Sewell moment you bring him in? You hope he's there and, and make sure that's your guy protecting Joe Burrow. I, I do think the pick has to be Penny Sewell, the, the left tackle from Oregon, if he's there. Now, if he's not, that's a different scenario, but the, the tricky part here is Adam. Okay. If they draft Penny Sewell at number five, there's still four offensive linemen away from having yes. a good offensive line. So is the move to draft Sewell and try to fill in the rest of the gaps or to potentially move down, pick up more assets and turn that into, you know, uh, you know, more depth and a quality offensive line. I don't know. Uh, but whatever Cincinnati does this offseason, everything, every decision they make has to be around protecting Joe Burrow, because I do believe he's a franchise quarterback. Let's give him a shot to do that in Cincinnati. I think you make a great point when we talk about certain positions, you know, you talk about getting a, an edge rusher to pair with miles Garrett. You talk about maybe getting a number one corner. This offensive line needs a complete overhaul. Mm. So while you can get, and probably will get an elite prospect to help do that. It's not enough. It's not enough. Like you, you, you've got a complete reconstruction to do here. And it makes me nervous, Marcus. Like we already saw Joe Burrow suffer, a really, really bad leg injury. That's not your normal ACL tear. Mm -hmm. That's frankly, you know, we're not going to compare injuries side by side, but you look what happened to Dak and you look what happened to Joe Burrow. Burrow's injury long-term is a lot more concerning when it comes to a lot of the damage being done. So um, I'm not going to ask you to put on your stethoscope and play doctor, but what, what do you think we're going to see from him next year? Because I think this is a, from everything we've heard, this is a massive recovery and you're putting him in a tough situation, regardless of what you do with the offensive line. It's not going to be built uh, day one, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be all of a sudden a brick wall. So what do you think the expectations for Burroughs should be? And do you think we see a similar version that we saw? Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty slow start for, for Joe Burrow, but I would hope that Zach Taylor and that rest of that offensive coaching staff does things to protect them. Like last year, we saw way too many five wide receiver sets uh, yep. where they're basically asking him to bail out, you know, a bad offensive line and make plays outside of the scheme, outside of structure. You can't do that. You have to put more protection around them. You got you to get rid of the ball quicker. Um, I'm not so, so sure if that's what Zach Taylor is going to do, but that's what I would do if I was running the, the Bengals because we've got to protect Burrow because uh, he's our only chance of becoming a relevant franchise anytime soon. I have to assume Taylor enters as a hot seat uh, favorite, yes. the regular, yes. right? Uh, I mean, him and Matt Nagy, near right? the top. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about that, but if this goes sideways in a hurry, um, I'm, I'm with you there. By the way, I'm a huge Burrow had moments of brilliance oh, and, yeah, and was incredible. under duress yeah. and was a surgeon. Um, I want them to put pieces around him. I mean, Higgins looks like he's going to be a star. Uh, you can get more weapons at wide receiver and certainly tight end. Like there's some things you can do, mm -hmm. but 
I think this is more of a plea. I hope Burrow is healthy because everything we saw from him was my goodness. There were glimpses, man. I know we talked a lot about Herbert and he could, he could be one of the top five quarterbacks, I think in the league, but he's got to get healthy and it's going to be a, it's going to be a long road back. So on that note, over under four wins next year, what do you got? I'll go over five. seems like the number that kind of gets to my head, but it's not going to be more than that. I think five is where they end up. I man, again, push feels right. Um, I I'm going to reluctantly go over two, but so much of this depends on Burrow's health because if they start him slow or things aren't right, it's going to be under in a hurry. So I'm very interested to see what they do to remake that offensive line. And they've got a lot of other needs as well, but I'm banking on Burrow being healthy and, and being the guy in going over. And I think you are as well. He's going to get um, them. If he's healthy, he's going to get them three, four wins that they probably shouldn't get because that, the rest of that roster is not very good. And that's what we kind of saw last year yeah. in, 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 in him trying to do that. And, and obviously we're selling them as a playoff team next year. Uh, you know, yes. that speaks yeah. for itself, but again, with Burrow, that may not be the case for very long. All right. Last one is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, Marcus, it's it, man, it was a roller coaster. Lamar, my, my assessment of Lamar was a roller coaster. I remember shooting videos for the game day in, in terms of winners and losers and trying to figure out exactly what, where he was, what his, what the pieces around him were doing. And I guess my biggest team needs still is you're committed to Lamar and this style of play and you need to continue to surround him with difference makers. Right. Mm -hmm. So for you, where do you go in terms of team need? Is it wide receiver? Is it, you know, is it O-line? I mean, you've got injuries, you've got things there. Where do you go when it comes to that? Yeah, they need a, a wide receiver that can win at the catch point, right? They've got a, a lot of these smaller guys, you know, Hollywood Brown, Devin DuVernay, guys that can win yep. downfield, but they need the guy on third and four that can win on the slant route every single time, right? And that can beat man-to-man coverage. Um, I do think they're going to have a chance to potentially grab that receiver in the draft. Uh, shout out maybe Rashad Bateman, one of my guys from Minnesota. Maybe they enter free agency and they look at a Kenny Galladay or an Allen Robinson, or maybe they bring over Juju Smith-Schuster from Pittsburgh to Baltimore. That would be a lot of fun, but they've got to get that physical pass catcher uh, to, to, to get that offense functioning at a high level. We've seen them do it in the past with Anquan Bolden. They had Steve Smith. They had Derek Mason. Who is the next guy to fill in those shoes? I'm, a, I'm excited to see. Andrews is great. I think Dobbins can be great yes. and will be great. I really like him. Um, I would draft <laughs> two, three wide receivers and, and, and see what fits and keep surrounding him with talent. And is it all the talent? Is it all, you know, Hollywood's fault no. if he doesn't have big no. numbers? No. I mean, this is no. a product of playing with Lamar. I don't think regardless of who they draft, he's probably not going to be a statistical uh, juggernaut yeah. at the position. And yet I still think they need more. And I guess your general thoughts on Lamar uh, struggled early on, caught on of late. Um, Marcus, in my opinion, this is going to kind of be who he is, mm-hmm. is going to be the ebbs and flows. And then he's going to find these massive statistical games where he tortures defensive coordinators for as long as he's healthy. What, what version of him do you expect to see moving forward? I actually expect to see an even better version in 2021. Wow. Listen, the, the 2020 season was a year from hell for Baltimore, right? They had an injury at left tackle with Ronnie Stanley, who tore his, his, his knee up, missed most of the year. They had to flip Orlando Brown over to left tackle. They had a ton of COVID issues, right? Mark Andrews missed a bunch of time, and it seemed like he was never right. Lamar Jackson missed time with COVID. So it was just a, a year that could not have gone you know, more wrong for the Ravens. 
and yet they make it to the playoffs and they win a playoff game. So I just think he's still a fantastic quarterback. I think the longer he's in, in the NFL, the passing is going to improve. I still believe in Lamar, and I think we're going to see a fantastic year from him this year. I just love watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, there are games where it just seems slightly off, and I think that's going to remain the case for his style of play. It makes sense. But when it is on, it is the most exciting thing in the NFL, in my opinion. Yes. When, he yes. is, when he is creating and improvising and in the open field, it is, it is like a video game come to life. So I, and I think we'll continue to see that. Um, I struggle with the over under here um, because Marcus, I'm going to go push. I don't know if we're allowed to go push. I'm going push. I think they're in at 11 wins. Um, What do you think? And and this to me is a byproduct more of, I like Cleveland and I think they're going to hopefully fill some of those defensive needs. So where are you in terms of wins? I'm actually going to go over. I, I think John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the NFL. They they're just such a hard regular season team to defend and that way, they remind me a little bit like of the old Houston Rockets where on a week-to-week basis, you're just not ready to play that running style or you know, rushing game and that physicality. But when we get into the playoffs and things slow down a little bit, it's it's a little bit more difficult for Lamar in that offense. But they're going to win a bunch of games because of that defense. They've got the best kicker in the league in Justin Tucker. And if they can improve that offensive line and add a receiver, 12, 13 wins feels just about right. Okay, so playoff team then for you, yes, obviously. Without a doubt. Yep. yep. Playoff team for me too. I think it's going to be a, a, a real battle within the division. Um, I think a lot will depend on Lamar and his legs and his arm and just how well he plays. If he plays to the level you think he will and they surround him, I, I absolutely agree with you. But I think they're a playoff team. So um, in terms of your breakdown, I, I would imagine that that you've got um, the Ravens up top, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm the opposite. You've got what Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bengals. Is that how you have it? Yep. And I think the Browns and Steelers could be interchangeable a little bit. It wouldn't be surprised if one ends up at 10 and six, the other nine and seven. All right. I'm buying the Browns. I'm going Browns, Ravens, Steelers, uh, Bengals. I'm going to flip it a little bit. Uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. JJ Watt would have been a nice piece there. The more you talk through this. It would have been nice uh, Instagramming, of course, at a Cleveland gym at three in the morning. Um, but still, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really fun team and I, I think it's a great fun division. Um, let's talk about a little more. Let's welcome in uh, our, our next, our guest for the pods, Jake Trotter. He covers um, the Browns in that division. We'll get his thoughts on the quarterbacks, potential draft fits and more. Very happy to welcome into the podcast uh, a friend of mine. Uh, we 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 used to battle it up when it came to college football. Now talking a little NFL, Jake Trotter of ESPN, who really does a, focuses on the Browns. So Jake, welcome in. How are you, man? Doing well, Adam. Ready to talk about whether the uh, college football playoffs should be expanded or not, like the, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, over over a couple of. Don't get me started, man. We'll go down a we'll go down a dangerous path. But no, so so. Focus on the Browns, which I'm excited to talk to you about because it's a really fascinating team after a fascinating season. But let's start general. Uh, All we keep hearing about, all we keep reading, whether it's the salary cap with COVID, whether it's just, you know, roster management, manipulation, you've got all these things, you've got the tags in play. It's going to be a weird couple of weeks, it sounds like. At least that's the buildup of Twitter, right? They want to build this up as something that's going to happen. But let me ask you, is the vibe you're getting, what you're hearing, the fact that this is going to be a weird couple of weeks and that there is going to be a lot of cuts and roster movements? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of intriguing players available on the market and the teams that have the cap space to go after those players are going to have a real advantage this time around because, you know, like you said, this is a unique situation with the way the cap 
uh, floor is set or the, 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 uh, the amount of cap space that teams are going to have uh, this year because of uh, everything that, that has happened uh, in 2020. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating couple of weeks uh, in, in trying to figure out who might be available and then who can sign those particular players. Looking in then specifically with the Browns, I have a hard time having a lot of holes with this team. Marcus and I, we are Baker guys, right? You're mm-hmm. either a Baker guy or you're not. Um, so I guess after the year that was, like, where where are the expectations with a team like this now, right? Like the, the, the loser mentality is gone. And so they're entering a threshold of expecting to win and like take it to another level. So, you know, you covered this team, I guess, what are the expectations internally? And then the vibe you get probably, you know, locally with the town and that saying, Hey, it's time to take this up a notch. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there are two ways to look at it. When you, you, you examine the Browns and their recent history, you think, you know, how good could this team really be? But then when you start to break down the roster and you look at the young core, you look at guys like Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb and just the offensive line and, everybody's under contract there in the, the maturation of Baker Mayfield and his development under K- Kevin Stefanski last year. And, you know, really, I mean, this is a team that is not very far away from contending to make the Super Bowl. And they showed it this year. I mean, they went to the wire against Kansas City in the divisional round. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes got hurt in the second half, but the Browns had a touchdown, you know, wiped out on that uh, Rashard Higgins dive play uh, there at the end of the first half. So, um, you know, you look at somebody like the Steelers uh, in, in a very difficult cap situation. Uh, you know, the Browns have an opportunity uh, to take another step forward. Are, are they ready to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But uh, the fact that we're having that conversation shows how far they've come. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, their best young players are all under contract. They're all uh, going to be extended or some of them are going to be uh, as soon as this offseason, similar to Miles Garrett last year, last summer. Uh, so this is a uh, ascending franchise right now. Dig, I got a question about the wide receivers because I still think Odell Beckham is a superstar in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are thinking that this Cleveland Browns offense really took off after he went down with an injury. I, I just think that's probably more of, you know, Stefanski and Baker Mayfield getting to know each other. Is there any chance that Odell isn't on this team in 2021? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean, I, I don't think you can completely rule it out. And, you know, part of it is the amount of money that the Browns have committed to the wide receiver position right now. Um, when you factor in Jarvis Landry and what they're paying him, uh, you know, to be a, a number one receiver in terms of the money he's going to make. Um, and then you look at Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, you know, they use two tight end sets, three tight end sets more than anybody in the NFL. And oh, by the way, they're, you know, they're a running team. They want to run the ball with, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt behind that offensive line. So uh, when you look at the style of play um, that they utilize, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pay the receiver room uh, the amount of money that they are currently. So, uh, you know, in terms of looking at the team on paper, you know, can you reallocate some of that money to help on the defensive side? You know, that to me makes a, a lot of sense, but um, you know, the, 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 the trade offer that they would get would have to be right. I mean, you, you don't want to trade an injured Odell Beckham, you know, for a fifth round pick, um, mm-hmm. unless you're just trying to free up money to do something else. So uh, I, I think that it's probably at this point, more likely he's on the team uh, in 2021 and they, they figure out their receiver situation, maybe uh, next off season, will they have, uh, when they'll have some more options. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's you look at the, the the way the team that took off after week seven when 
Odell got hurt. Most specifically, Baker Mayfield took off. And um, I think there are two, two schools of thought when it comes to that. You know, Baker's just better, a better quarterback without Odell uh, for whatever reason. And I, I wrote about it at that time. I thought Baker was going to play better once Odell got hurt. And, you know, sometimes the chemistry, you know, it just doesn't work for whatever reason. It's, it's nobody's fault necessarily. It just is not a, a great fit. Um, but I, I think the other school of thought is that Baker Mayfield is a completely different quarterback today than the one in week seven that Odell was playing with. And I think the Browns are intrigued by the possibility that this new Baker Mayfield with Odell Beckham healthy could be a different animal than anything we've seen in the past. Adam, I'm going to sneak in one more question really quickly, because I think if Odell does get moved, I think part of the reason why I'm pleased, Jake, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's because of Donovan Peoples-Jones, right? The rookie that they took out of Michigan last year. Uh, Do the Browns believe that he can be a starting caliber receiver sooner rather than later? Well, I mean, he was, you know, basically a starting caliber receiver because he was starting for them, uh, you know, basically down the stretch there. Um, you know, the, you know, you've got Richard Higgins, who is a, a free agent. They're going to have to figure out um, guys that we'll talk about chemistry, you know, great chemistry with Baker Mayfield um, and then Jarvis Landry. You know, they have a lot of these possession type receivers. Um, you know, those guys are possession receivers. So uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones gives them a little bit of a downfield element um, that those guys maybe – uh, necessarily don't. And, and I think you look at the draft, you know, the Browns could potentially be in the mix, even though all their needs are on the defensive side to, to get another burner uh, to help stretch the field. Um, because that was the one thing they were really missing after Odell got hurt, just somebody that you could take the top of a defense off with. Um, and, and I think why, you know, the idea of bringing him back also makes sense as well, even though, again, um, you know, you're, you're investing a lot of money mm-hmm. in the receiver position if you're a tight end heavy, you know, run offense. Uh, it still blows my mind, Donovan Peoples-Jones fell into Cleveland's lap. I know pounds. that I, it, it really is. I mean, just Thanks watching him. It, I know, I know. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. Yeah, I, we'll tie in college every way we can here, Jake. Actually, it's perfect Absolutely. transition to Lamar Jackson, the guy that we uh, we loved uh, and, and watched and marveled over and has made it work, I think, mostly. And now, of course, it's it seems like it's a payday. And I'm just curious because, of course, that's one of the big looming things for the division. Um, you have to get this deal done, right? I mean, there's a sense, I would imagine, like a looming sense that it's it's going to get done. It's just a matter of what it's going to cost. Yeah, and, and you see, you know, you've, you've heard this uh, phrase, you know, cautionary tale because you look at what happened with Carson Wentz uh, and Jared Goff, guys that were jettisoned basically before their massive extensions, record extensions at the time. Uh, you know, even kicked in and and those teams moved in a different direction at quarterback, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And so, you know, when you look at Lamar Jackson, you look at Baker Mayfield, uh, you look at Josh Allen from Buffalo, you know, all the the, the big name uh, extension eligible quarterbacks uh, this summer, you know, what do you do? But I, I think, um, you know, Lamar, uh, you know, he won an MVP, um, you know, he is, he is a special talent. And even though, um, you know, because he runs the ball so much, you get a little worried uh, about his health. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's the face of your franchise and, and I think you have to act accordingly. And, um, you know, uh, I don't think you can let, uh, you know, events elsewhere dictate, you know, what you do with your team. And, and as it relates to the Browns, I mean, um, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, Baker had a really rough second season, but uh, if you believe he's going to continue to get better under Kevin Stefanski, it's the first time Baker's not had to learn a new offense in the off season since he was drafted uh, into the NFL. If you think he's going to get better, um, then, then I think you have to focus more on that than, you know, could this be Carson Wentz situation? Could this be Jared Goff? So um, I, if I had to guess today, I think Allen Mayfield and Lamar, you know, all get extended this offseason. 
Jake, what's going to happen with Orlando Brown in Baltimore? You know, he said he wants to play on the left side. There's been talks about potentially him getting dealt. Uh, do you believe the Ravens will ultimately trade him this offseason? It definitely feels like it's trending in that, that direction. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of suitors. Um, and, and the Ravens are going to expect, uh, you know, uh, adequate compensation to, to move him because, you know, he's, he's a good player for them right now. But, um, you know, I think, I think there's a deal to be done there. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what shakes out. It's going to be uh, – like, like, like you guys said early on, it's going to be a wild offseason, and, and that will be uh, one small part of it for sure. All right, Jake, you are, we're making you GM. Uh, Marcus and I have made our, our voices on this aspect pretty much known when it comes to Pittsburgh and Big Ben. You are the GM right now. What are you doing with Big Ben heading into this year? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you're going to have to restructure his, his contract because you're, you're just in a really tough situation salary cap wise uh, with the, the hit that his contract brings. So, and it sounds like that that's the direction uh, it's moving on. So I, I think you're going to see uh, one more year at least of Ben Roethlisberger as the quarterback of the Steelers. And I mean, if he plays well, you know, if he can rekindle uh, some of his, uh, you know, his, his, his uh, former form, you know, that's a team that could still be a factor. But um, you also saw in the playoff game against Cleveland and really down the stretch that, uh, you know, he, he really faded. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing situations that could have an impact on the, the EFC playoff race. You know, how good has been Roethlisberger and what can Pittsburgh do this offseason to mitigate the salary cap hell that they, they find themselves in right now? All right, now. but Jake, if you're, if you're the Steelers and you're Art Rooney in that front office <laughs> and you see the Chiefs and the Bills and the Browns, these teams are all, I think, clearly better than what you are right now. And you're going to be losing a ton in free agency why not just move on from Ben, hit the reset button, and look forward to 2022? Because this roster is not going to be as, as good as it was last year. And last year's roster wasn't good enough to get past the wild card round. So why? what's the point of running it back for one more year? I, I think you know where Marcus stands, by the way, now, Jake, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, mean, clear. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, yeah. You know, they were 10-0, right? So um, I think you could talk yourself into – you know, that defense, that receiving core, uh, you know, potentially being enough to be to be a factor if you believe that, you know, Ben still has a little bit left in the tank. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, also, too, like, what's what's the alternative? Um, you know, if, if you can't trade for Deshaun Watson, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of great options for you at quarterback anyway. So, uh, you know, you, you can, you know, if you're as bad as uh, – Marcus is uh, suggesting you might have an opportunity to draft the quarterback in, in 2022 anyway, and then move forward uh, there. So I, I think the Steelers are kind of stuck I agree. Um, right now. And, and I think it actually makes sense to me to roll it back and, and hope for the best. And then if it doesn't work out, then, okay, now it's time to, to retool and rebuild offensively. And then I guess, you know, to cap off, and this is a quarterback heavy uh, lineup here when we're going down the division, but, uh, you know, looking at Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, uh, again, Jake, at a, from a collegiate standpoint, really the glimpses we saw last year, I, I guess I'll ask you to go from, from GM to scout. I mean, I, you know, what, what I saw, what looked like, yeah, this guy is going to be a dude. And then of course, tears up his knee looks like it's going to be pretty bad, but what were your observations of him just seeing him at the NFL level with not a ton of help around him? Yeah, I thought he was awesome. Uh, you know, the, the game that sticks out to me was uh, week two, Thursday night. And uh, I mean, the Browns played really well offensively in that game. And 
they could could not stop Joe Burrow. And you know, if if it weren't for Miles Garrett, uh, I think he had a strip sack inside the five that game. Like if it weren't for that play, uh, you know, Cincinnati very well could have won that game. Uh, they've got to get him more offensive line help, uh, clearly. Uh, but I, I think Cincinnati is is a team on the rise, and I'm a big, uh, provided that he's healthy, a big believer in, in Joe Burrow and his potential in the AFC North and and making that team a factor, uh, you know, not too distant future here. Jake, is there any chance, any chance at all they don't use that number five pick on an offensive tackle? I would say no. I mean, like last year, you know, the Browns were picking 10th, and uh, I, I would have bet a lot of money that they were going to take an offensive tackle. I, I would probably do the same with, with Cincinnati there. And, you know, uh, if their guy, guy is not there, you know, maybe they, they try to trade down. But, uh, and or you know, you could always draft another wide receiver too. But, but yeah, I mean, I think you're Cincinnati. Look at what happened with Burrow last year. You're, you're trying to maximize his potential and, and keep him upright. You've got to take a tackle, uh, your franchise left tackle with that 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 pick right there. I agree. Right, I so just want to see Kyle Pitts and Joe Burrow play together. That's all. That, that's <laughs> all. Be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it would be fun. I guess so, Jake. To to cap it off, because you know we had to do this ourselves. Are the are the are the Browns your favorite? If you're ranking these teams in order, I I know that's like the super sports ready thing to do, but that's what we do, right? If you're ranking these teams in order, how do you who do you make the favorite? Obviously, the Bengals. I think are the the, until they get a lot of help or the, the, you know, also ran of the division, but how would you kind of rank the three above them? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a little early to do that just because we don't know what oh, these no. teams are going to look We're like. After you to it. However, um, <laughs> I would still, I would still probably put Baltimore one. Um, you know, they, they beat the Browns twice last year. You know, Baltimore was playing really well uh, down the stretch last season. Um, you know, kind of scu- uh, was scuffling early, you know, in the middle of the season, but really rediscovered themselves late. So um, I, I would give a slight edge to Baltimore, but yeah, I mean, I think you could definitely make the case that, that, that Cleveland is the division favorite. And, and if they address, you know, their issues at, at defensive end, at linebacker, at safety, you know, good luck finding weaknesses on that team. I mean, offensively they are set and, you know, they, they they're going to have one of the best, offensive lines in the league you know they, they've got talent at receiver the best running back combo uh in the nfl they're deep at tight end uh and it and if again if you believe in in what you saw at a baker mayfield last year then that team is going to be a load uh next season as well and i think they'll they they're gonna remember what happened in that monday night football classic against the ravens and, and try to finally dethrone them uh next year awesome well jake hey man thanks for stopping by really appreciate both the time and insight we'll have to do it again soon Sounds good, guys. Awesome. Take care, man. Jake Trotter of ESPN joining us. Uh, Appreciate the time. Appreciate Jake stopping by once again. And Marcus, I have been looking forward to this final section uh, for a couple of days. Actually, since last week. Uh, I know that you you like the UFC. You love Mm -hmm. the UFC, as do I. So we've got our future section in terms of bets, in terms of uh, what we've got our eye on. So let's start, Marcus, with the UFC card, 259. It is as loaded. Maybe the best UFC card we get all year, no? Yeah, uh, three title fights, uh, some huge name fighters. I I could not be more excited for this UFC. I think Dana White uh, has created a terrific card. It's going to easily be the highlight of the weekend. Okay, so do you have a couple of picks on the card that you like, and I'll compare uh, them with a few a few of mine that I'm targeting. I actually got a three uh, a three person parlay that I really like okay. this week. Uh, Peter Yan, uh, Amanda Nunes, Israel Adesanya. Uh, you get all three of them at plus two hundred, plus one ninety seven. I saw it a couple sports books. 
all to win outright. Uh, I, I love that. I think that's a, a fantastic bet. I think all three are going to win. All right. So I, I kind of like Sterling. Uh, I'm interested to see how Adesanya weighs up and what he weighs mm-hmm. in at, obviously, because coming up a class. But what I want to ask you about is what the heck do you do with Amanda Nunez fights other than parlay? At this point, right? Well, I is think that- you could you could parlay, but you could also go by knockout in the first round. I saw some uh, some fun odds that way. Uh, I, I think that's the way to go rather than just betting the money line. Um, but yeah, I think you have to throw it in a, in a parlay. She's just we're almost in the Tyson zone now, where she's at like plus fifteen or excuse me, minus fifteen hundred in every single fight. It's it's getting insane. It you know it's it's interesting as a, a, a gambler. Like I love watching her fight, so I'm okay with it, and yet. It, it you have to be a little bit more creative in terms of how you navigate this. I like the idea of doing parlays. I like Dominic Cruz, by the way, mm, in, the, in the, the main event of the prelims. I know going up against a younger guy, I know there's a, a lot of conversation of why is this guy <laughs> fighting not on the main card in the prelims. It's a loaded card. That's all I can say. It is, man. It is. And his attitude towards it has been great. I just, you know, you're getting him, you know, what, plus 110. You're getting plus yeah. money on him. Despite the age, I still think that guy has it. Um, of course, Marcus, I have to throw in a golf bet. Look, I the my picks are coming, you know, to fruition weeks later. You're so Morikawa, who I I know, man, Morikawa. We've had Homa. We've had um, we've had some misses. This is a good one. If you are a golf fan, this really is sort of where the season starts with Bay Hill. You've got players coming up. Um, so I'm I'm going down the list a little bit. I I want to take a crack. I may try the Spieth train. Um, okay. Betting on Jordan Spieth is a bit of a, a you talk about roller coasters. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a hard to stomach. I'm in the Spieth and Jason Day, 33 to 1, 35 to 1. I may go veteran style. Um, I, I thought about Patrick Reed, 18 to 1. It's not enough value for me. But yeah, if you are a fan of golf, this really is kind of the start of like the, the beautiful golf season that is. So I'm excited for that. Is there anything else on the board i know you're big in nba anything else that you got an eye on i i kind of like tommy fleetwood at 40 to 1 it's not a bad i I just like rooting for tommy fleetwood but i do like the jordan spieth one uh jordan spieth call that's it's fun it's certainly the roller coaster of emotions it's all going to depend on his putting and uh sometimes he looks like me out there putting so it it can be uh (laughs) it'd be you know kind of up and down so what we've seen with golf is guys that are uh, guys that are trending well are winning. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen guys, you know what I mean? It's been the theme early on. Homa had been playing great and and finally broke through at Riviera. So hopefully he breaks through as well. All right. So it's an awesome week. And then we've got, we've got conference championships for basketball. We've got March Matt. I mean, we've got, it's going to be crazy. We got stuff coming up. This is a great, great time uh, to be a gambler with plenty uh, to look at. So uh, with that, we wrap this up. Obviously we will keep going division by division next week. Uh, if you guys want to get involved, obviously share the podcast, uh, get involved, our debates. What do you think of JJ Watt? Are you a fan of the move? Are you a fan of his social media content? Uh, like Marcus is, of course, not myself. Uh, and a reminder, go to thegameday.com to see what offers our affiliates have. With that, for Marcus, Adam, Thanks again to Jake Chowder for joining us. We will talk to you guys next week.